0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Savvy Marketer podcast. We know that this is the fourth week that the majority of us has been working from home, keeping our kids entertained and learning through virtual learning in many of the states across this nation, as well as across the world. Right now, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we know that the best thing to do is to stay at home, keep on focusing on the most basic hygiene as possible, which is washing your hands, keeping things clean, and keeping your family and all your loved ones safe. As we continue to embark in thinking how this pandemic is creating an impact in our lives, we understand and we recognize that the sentiment of consumers is being impacted. This last two to four weeks, depending on the state, have been quite an experience for majority of Americans. Why? Because the way that we have been impacted is not only our physical lifestyle, having to stay at home, but also thinking about fear. And fear we can dimensionalize in two ways. One, trying to keep ourselves healthy and protect our loved ones being concerned of potentially getting sick or getting others sick, either when we go outside of the house to buy groceries or get food, or for those of us who may have to work on manufacturing or supply chain or critical jobs. Now, when we think about the Savvy Marketer podcast, we know that the majority of our audience are marketers. So for you, it has been more about the experience on how to living this new normal, coping this new normal. And I want you to think about, as marketers, what does this mean for us, this new normal? And for me, in simple terms, it is consumers are experiencing new things. Their way of doing things has dramatically changed. Why? Because, of course, many of them are working virtually from their homes. Others have to also become teachers of their kids. In a more traditional approach, making sure that they stay focused, motivated, and doing what they need to do so they keep on learning, while also minimizing the impact that this could represent in their lives emotionally, since they're not with classmates, especially young children that may not understand what this coronavirus or COVID-19 pandemic really means. So as we think about that, we also have to be empathetic in understanding that a lot of things are going on in consumers' minds. It's not only the fear of getting sick or avoiding from others getting sick or infecting us, but also the fear of what does this mean financially for my family, for my household? Will I lose my job or will I be making less money? We know that from the federal government, There is the coronavirus aid that is going to come to many households, but that will only come to a very few group of people. We know that for the majority of the households that will be getting a check, these are households that have to make $75,000 or less. We know that the health impact and the cost associated of getting sick and being hospitalized or losing a loved one is going to play a huge toll in people's lives. So the fear that many consumers are experiencing is multidimensional, not only health-wise, but financial. And as we think about these things, there has been a lot of research done through Acupol, Minto, McKenzie, that I'm going to be sharing with you all, because we believe that it is critical that as marketers, we put our consumers at the center of everything we do. I believe that it is critical now more than ever that as brands, we convey a message of resilience to our consumers. As marketers and as stewards of our brands, it's more important now than ever before that we embrace empathy with our consumers. But we also need to convey a message of hope and resilience. At Savvy Marketers, for example, we have decided to create every other day a post on social media that have inspirational quotes, inspirational quotes about resilience, about dealing with uncertainty. And that's exactly what we need to be doing now. I'm not telling you that as marketers to start creating emotional posts, but it's not about that. It's about helping our consumers overcome the uncertainty, and the fear that we are all experiencing. Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're all in this together. And where there is a start, there is going to be an end. And this pandemic, just like pandemics throughout the history of the world, have come to an end. The question is when, right? And that's what keeps people awake at night. That's what keeps them concerned. As we think about some of the things and the categories that have become quite pivotal and quite a priority for consumers, no surprise, the cleaning industry, very, very important. The food industry, very, very important. Who would have thought that toilet paper would be such a number one item for so many thousands of households, if not millions? It's very hard to go to a store now or even online to Amazon and try to buy paper towels, toilet paper, the same thing applies with Clorox, with wipes, with disinfecting sprays like Lysol. Now, all of these products have existed for numerous years and have been quite successful, but consumers are trying to keep as much as possible in their homes. Now, as marketers, what does that mean for any of us? First of all, I believe that all companies that are producing products such as over-the-counter medications, as well as detergents, household cleaning products, they have a responsibility to keep their supply chain outstanding. Why is it so important to keep your supply chain outstanding? First, because we need to make sure that you continue to manufacture and ship products to stores or to warehouses where Online companies can distribute them to consumers. It's now more important than ever that we make sure that we don't run out of products or that retailers or dot-com partners do not run out of stock because that creates more anxiety, more stress, and more fear from our consumers. And I'm not only talking about paper towels and toilet paper and household cleaning products from Clorox to Ben Benkiser to Colgate Palmolive to Unilever, but anything. Same thing applies with over-the-counter and medications. A lot of pharmaceutical companies have kept their manufacturing going, and this is absolutely critical. Marketers that represent any brand that is related to Over the counter medicines, medicines in general, as well as household cleaning products that are now the top priority in consumers' and households' minds, we need to make sure that we stay at the forefront and that we communicate to consumers where they can find them, where they are available, and your commitment as a company and as stewards of your brands to make sure that those products are always available to our consumers. Trust me. In difficult times, consumers will remember who were those brands that took care of them, who were those brands that communicated with them, who were those brands or services that always were there to provide them and to satisfy their needs. So that's something very important that I really wanted to touch on, not only from a marketing or communication standpoint, but also from a manufacturing and supply chain standpoint. We can't make the Walmarts of the world or the mom and pop stores or the drug stores stay without products. Why? Because consumers are going to complain. Any product that we need to keep at home that is going to help us feel better and keep our home clean, smelling well, protected, it's going to be important. The same thing applies not only with over-the-counter medications to general medicines within the pharma world or household cleaning products and other goods, but very important, not only with toilet paper or paper towels, but also with food in general. As marketers, we really want to embrace a message of eating healthy. When we eat healthy, we're less stressed. That helps us stay healthy. So it's important that even if you don't work with a brand that's necessarily out there offering food products, you want to give tips and convey education on the importance of eating well, staying healthy, both physically, emotionally, and mentally. Those things are important and will resonate in the minds and hearts of our consumers. Now, as I was mentioning, a lot of research has been done in the last couple of weeks, not only across the United States, but across other countries in the world to better understand what are the implications? What are consumers feeling? And yes, we talked about fear for both health as well as economics, which is normal. We're all human beings and everyone has a full right to feel that way and to feel a little bit of anxiety. Are my kids going to be okay? Are they going to go back to school after all this? Or will this be the new normal? And what I would say to people is, as long as you put your consumer at the center of everything you do. Now, one thing that I wanted to share is a recent survey that took place in the entire month of March and early April that finished last week from McKinsey. And this was a survey conducted with U.S. consumers to understand their sentiment and their emotions, how they were feeling during the coronavirus crisis. Now, we know that this is not going to be an overnight solution. We know that government officials, health officials, from both the World Health Organization to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, as well as the famous Dr. Fauci, who's the number one most trusted person in America at this point, because it's science. And science provides facts helps us educate ourselves to make the right decisions. So we understand and we recognize that the sentiment analysis from this research is only taking some assumptions from US households, but it was also conducted in other markets across the world. Now, one thing to bear in mind is, during the coronavirus crisis, which is our fourth week for states like New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, the state of Washington, where Seattle was the first one to get impacted, and and Oregon as well with this pandemic. We understand that American consumers tend to be relatively optimistic. They feel optimistic, and I would say somewhat relative optimistic about the economy. They feel somewhat optimistic about their income, their spending and purchasing behavior. But their spending and purchasing behavior are changing dramatically why if i was a consumer that liked to or i was looking forward to buy a furniture for my home will i be buying that furniture that nice sofa right now probably not why because it's not a priority that's not what i'm thinking about and if i had that in mind i'm going to put it on hold now for luxury brands this is significantly impactful. The Pradas, the Dior's, the Louis Vuitton, the Chanel's of the world, they're all feeling the impact. Why? Because all shopping malls are closed. Yes, you can still keep on buying through .com, either through Saks or Bloomingdale's or Nordstrom, or you can also buy directly through their sites. However, People are not feeling inclined, emotionally inclined, to buy luxury products. What they're feeling emotionally inclined is to have enough food in their home stored, enough medicine in their home stored, enough cleaning products and basic products to have in their homes, including, of course, toilet paper, diapers, wipes, paper towels. So all of those things are the fundamental categories that are in the top of consumers' minds. Now, if there was a bargain, would I still buy that Louis Vuitton bag? Probably not. Maybe I'll keep on looking into it, but not at this point. Why? Because consumers, although they feel relatively optimistic about the economy, the reality is that for many, their income has been impacted. Why? Because they're working less hours or They're working no hours at all because not everyone can work virtually. For those that are business owners, especially those small businesses that are significantly impacted from restaurants, stores, service agencies, this creates a huge toll. So people have to be more mindful and careful about the categories and the products they're going to be buying. That's why their spending and purchasing behavior has shifted dramatically. and will continue to be like that for a while more. Will it be more weeks? Yes. Will it be a couple of months? Maybe, right? So all of these things are playing a pivotal role in consumers' lives. So for those clients of ours that sell other products other than food or household cleaning products or medicines, etc. Maybe a skincare product may not be that relevant right now because they have their skincare product. However, some of the consumer behaviors have changed dramatically. I will share a personal example. I used to go to the hair salon to get my hair done, change my color or have my root touch up or my highlights. Can I go to a hair salon now? Absolutely not. So what are people doing, primarily women, 35 to 49, or plus that, up to 55, or even 60. They're buying online. I was trying to check on walmart.com, target.com, amazon.com, trying to find hair color for women. And a lot of them were out of stock, even in a Walmart or a Target, at a CVS. So, a lot of companies like madisonreed.com, their sales are becoming outstandingly uh, favorable during the moment of this pandemic crisis because even those women who never color their hair at home have to learn to do it. Why? Because you don't want to stay with grays, right? For those of us in the professional world that have to do video conferences with colleagues, clients, suppliers, vendors, whoever, Guess what? We want our hair to look good. Plus, you want to look every day in front of the mirror and feel good about yourself. So there's definitely that dramatic shift that things I used to do constantly in autopilot, like going to a nail salon, going to a hair salon, going to a spa for a facial. Now, these are things that you have to create trade-offs and buy online and do in your home in the comfort of your bathroom. So probably our spouses are helping, our kids may be helping, or other loved ones to get our hair looking the part, right? Or to get our nails done. You also reported an optic near 20% in sales of hair color kits for the week that ended March 21st. Direct-to-consumer brands such as Madison Reed says it has seen a rise in demand as customers do their own hair dyeing. Traffic to the brand side has quadrupled in recent weeks, and the company is ramping up its customer service lines and online tutorials as a result, says Mary O'Connell, who's the VP of Communications and Content for Madison Reed. So all of these things are important because they play a crucial part in consumers' daily habits and routines. Now, as government and organizations continue to work towards containing COVID-19, and stem the growing humanitarian toll it is exacting. Its economic effects are also being felt. We know that. Within this context, the latest US sentiment survey that was conducted by McKinsey shows that relative optimism has persisted. Some 41% expect the economy to rebound in the next two to three months. This is actually pretty good. Why? Because people feel that there's a lot of uncertainty. Wall Street is going to continue to downperform because people are concerned. But at the same time, people feel this is not going to be an economic crisis necessarily in the long term. They're seeing it more towards something that it's going to pick up again and that the economy is going to rebound. So it's good to see that 41% expect the economy to rebound in the next two to three months. So basically we're talking about June, probably by mid to late June people are forecasting or by July the latest to see the economy rebound. And this is actually quite consistent to what we have seen with Chinese consumers. Chinese consumers started to experience COVID-19 and every household started to get tested back in, in December and January. And there has been containment, thank goodness. But of course, they tried to reopen movie theaters two weeks ago. They closed them again, keeping travel controlled. And whoever enters China, they have to self-isolate at their own cost for 14 days. So all that they're trying to do just to avoid and prevent this from spreading again. Now, the good thing is when we look at China, their consumer sentiment was also quite consistent to the one from the U.S. Why? Because the Chinese economy has continued to rebound in a positive way. So after three shaky months, we have seen that positive result in the country. Now, this is also important to also incorporate and highlight, because when we look at European optimism, it stands much lower than other countries like China or the United States. Now, we have to recognize that in Europe, the coronavirus pandemic has been devastating in countries like Italy, in countries like Spain, and Although the death tolls have continued to decline since last week, there's a lot of worry of when is it the right time to go out? When is it the right time to go and keep go back to my normal life? So the governments in Europe and many European Union countries have committed to paying 100% of people's salaries for four months, same as in Canada. So surprisingly, their level of optimism is still quite low, despite having even more proactive actions than a country like the United States, that people will receive maybe $1,500. They said that a lot of small businesses would be protected through the CARES Act. Well, I can tell you personally, the way the banks adapted that is completely to their benefit. Why? Because banks are forcing consumers or small business owners to have an existing loan in order to be able to even apply to the grant, okay, or the forgivable loan. So if you don't have a loan, like I don't have a business loan, guess what? I can't even apply, which is really devastating to the small business community, which employs over 60 million Americans. But leaving that aside, we also have another important point that we need to raise. Higher income consumers, those that make more than $100,000 a year, tend to be the most optimistic. So this tends to be quite consistent in the United States and also in other markets. And probably because these are people that have well-established jobs, that see that the companies that they work for, the businesses that they have, are going to survive, in the long haul. So that's what it's keeping momentum. Now, as we think about this relative optimism about the economy's resilience, there are also significant signs of concern. 44% of Americans say they will reduce their spending over the next two weeks. And 43% are delaying purchases given the uncertainty of the economic outlook. So those that were thinking of buying a vacation, despite airlines giving great offers for thirty something, less than a hundred dollars for for many places to travel or hotels, they're putting a hold on that. So it's not only luxury items like uh, furniture or or luxury products, fashion brands, but honestly, a lot of people are not going to be buying apparel or they're not going to be buying a new pair of shoes if they don't need them or if they're not leaving their homes. So as we think about that, that intent to spend less has the most dramatic for discretionary purchases. Like I was saying earlier, travel, out-of-home entertainment, apparel, food work, or home furnishings. Now, I was the first one that I wanted to buy certain things. I wanted to buy a new sofa. And I said, no, I'm not gonna do that. I wanted to buy, I saw some dresses online and I said, oops, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to focus on buying what's important and relevant at this point in time. So that is part of what McKinsey is also sharing in terms of the research results. Now, while there are select categories where consumers expect to spend more money, Those are, of course, grocery, home-based entertainment, and household supplies. Now people are buying more household supplies because when you stay at the house, that's when you start realizing, oh, I need to paint this. Oh, it's time to fix that door. Oh, wait, I need to fix this curtain. Oh, wait, I need to fix this in the bathroom. So all those women or all of those men that have already told your significant other to improve something in their homes, guess what? It's happening everywhere. (laughs) Now, as we think about that, consumers expect to focus their spending online. And this is quite important. We know that online sales, in the case of Amazon, last year in total 2019, Amazon represented 38% of online sales in the United States. 38%, who who would have thought that? I thought that it would be around 60%. But the reality is 38% of e-commerce sales in the United States came from Amazon. I'm sure that now, due to COVID-19, this is going to dramatically double or even more than double. But it's not only Amazon who's been positively impacted by this. A lot of retailers have had to focus their efforts on e-commerce. Why? Because consumers don't want to leave their house. So they're going to be relying on buying as many things as possible online. And that may include a laundry product, a laundry detergent. That may include a toy for kids. That may include even buying balloons because you have to celebrate a birthday inside your home. So Maybe instead of going to Party City, because of course it's closed, you will buy it online. So all of those things are playing a huge role in consumers' lives. Consumers are starting to shift their behavior as well, with several categories seeing an uptick in first timers, from entertainment streaming to e-sports, restaurant and grocery delivery, online education, and online fitness. I can tell you the go-to meetings of the world ZoomUS.com, all of them, Skype, are getting huge, huge new consumers because it's not only for companies. People want to share and stay connected through video and leverage technology with their loved ones. The same thing happens with online streaming from the Disney of the world to Amazon Prime to Netflix. A lot of people are trying to focus on watching different programs instead of watching the news 24-7. And I think that's a brilliant idea. Why? Because if you keep watching the news 24-7, first of all, you end up so depressed. I know that there are facts, and the media has to do their job, and they have to do it right, and they're doing it. But at the same time, sometimes I watch the news right before falling asleep, And I have to change the channel to something funny or to a movie or to a TV show because I don't want to go to sleep and have nightmares. Oh, would I get sick? Will I end up in the hospital? So all that is important. And those are the things that we're seeing. The other thing that is important is that consumers are starting to shift their behavior as well with several categories seeing uptick in first timers like I was saying earlier. And one of the things that you can see is how consumers in the United States, in terms of the optimism, is about 41%. For those who are a bit unsure about the future, it's about 45. And those that are pessimistic, it's only 14%. If we compare that to other countries like China, the optimism in China is 47% in terms of sentiment versus a 40% that is unsure And versus just a 5% that feels pessimistic. If we look like a market like UK, 19% feel optimistic. So it goes significantly down, almost twice below. And 55% remain unsure, while 25% are pessimistic. In countries like Italy, 11% recall to be optimistic, while 51% are unsure and about 38% are pessimistic. Keep in mind that a country like Italy was significantly, significantly impacted. Now we have a market like Spain where 14% of the country feels optimistic while 47% feels unsure. We've had huge cases, huge death toll just like in Italy, in the case of Spain, and 39% are pessimistic. So we see pessimism grow dramatically in markets like Europe. Now, other countries like South Korea, on the other hand, 25% feel optimistic and 61% are unsure. And they were able to keep COVID-19 under control. And only 14%, just like the United States, feels a bit pessimistic. Other countries like Japan, in the case of Asia, 6% feel optimistic, about 53% are unsure, and about 41% are pessimistic. So huge difference, I would say almost the opposite versus the United States. Now, it's important to keep in mind that Japan has the oldest population per capita in the world, An average of 400 schools close every year in Japan because people are having children at a later time or a later stage in their lives and are having less children. So you have a significant older population. And the way Japan is structured as a country democratically, they cannot force people to stay at home. It depends on within the 47 states or region in Japan and the different islands. So that may change depending on the government officials by region, but basically that's the latest news. However, when we look at a market like Germany, 27% feel optimistic and about 58% are unsure and about 15% are pessimistic. So in summary, majority of European countries their pessimism is higher than their optimism and their level of being unsure of what's going to happen in the future in comparison to other Asian countries or the United States. So now that we have discussed the impact on consumer sentiment for the United States, as well as other markets across the world, looking at market research data and surveys... Sentiment service conducted by McKinsey. Now I wanted to share with you some of the key learnings in terms of the consumer trends that will endure after COVID-19. And what will this mean for marketers? No surprise, consumers are embracing new behaviors and habits. Now they're forced to be in their homes, For jobs that you wouldn't do virtually in the past, now many people are being forced to do virtually, like we said, from our day-to-day jobs to education with our children, all that has shifted dramatically. AdAge published an article this week to share some of the consumer habits that are changing. And one of the things that is important to address is that this pandemic, we have to recognize that It has to yet peak in the United States. Yes, we have seen significant peaks, specifically in the East Coast, in New York and New Jersey, but we know that this will continue to be a growing trend for the upcoming days and weeks. Yet, although the coronavirus pandemic has yet to even reach that peak, we see that many consumers have already changed their behavior in ways that will have lasting implications for brands. Typically, it takes about 66 days for someone to acquire a new habit and continue doing it when not coerced, according to Paul Marsden, a consumer psychologist at the University of the Arts, London. However, with the changes that we're facing, there is both danger and opportunity for marketers. Danger, of course, for the brands that may not be as relevant for consumers or have lost relevance because they couldn't find them in a store they couldn't find them online, or they decided it wasn't a priority for them in their lives right now, or they were able to find a replacement. But for other brands, it is a remarkable opportunity. One of the things that Peter No Murray, who runs his own consumer psychology practice in New York, says, and I quote, when there are serious changes in lifestyle and life circumstances, There's a fairly dramatic change in preference for brands that consumers use and their perceptions about those brands. Many brands are accelerating their good, deep initiatives, but experts say consumers will also expect such actions to continue long-term after the coronavirus and after things have been normalized in our lives. Why? Because probably the way that we relate with brands The way that we look at hygiene, the way that we look at healthcare, it represents an important role in our lives. And probably some brands will continue to foster and convey education about that. At the same time, we know that this is a moment that action is required. And what do we mean for that? It's not about having a nice campaign that consumers could relate to, but it's really embracing action changing behavior, either stay in your home, wash your hands, don't go out. All of those things play a very important role with our consumers. And we as brands should be conveying that. At the last podcast that we conducted where we talked about the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic in the United States, and we started sharing examples of how brands like Coca-Cola decided to revamp their logo on Times Square in New York keeping the letters six feet apart. Many other brands, including Johnson & Johnson, did the same thing. Now, in moments of crisis or in moments of uncertainty, we also need to know that time-tested brands are the ones who are going to shine. Brands that have been there in the lives of consumers in the most difficult times in their consumer lives. So it's very important that as marketers, we place the consumer, our consumers, at the center of everything we do. One of the things that are very important for marketers is to understand that brands that resonate with consumers and build empathy, those are the ones that are going to last through time. Why? Because as consumers change to adopt new behaviors and habits, they're sticking by the brands they've long trusted to get them through and beyond the crisis. To change from novel and trendy to tried and true, was outlined on a recent call by Evercore research analysts who said it will be difficult for new brands to launch in this environment. And that's true. So brands like Coca-Cola, brands like Lysol, brands like Clorox, brands like Band-Aid, many brands are going to continue to resonate in the eyes of consumers. Tylenol, just sharing examples, Bayer. But are all the brands going to resonate? Not necessarily. So that's why it's so crucial that we continue to place our consumer at the center of everything we do and that we're really building empathy. That's something that we need to keep at the forefront. Another thing that is quite interesting that came from Simon Moore, the CBO of Innovation Bubble, the behavioral science company, is, and I quote, we're not open to new things. We go from a game mentality to a maintain mentality, which is important for a lot of the brands to realize. So yes, we are in moments of uncertainty where we're trying new things, we're experimenting new things, we're trying to survive in the new normal at home, not being out and about, not being able to go, like I said earlier, to our favorite hair salon or nail salon. We have to the best we can from our own homes. And that means also finding new ways, experimenting. But when we think about brands that think, I'll start marketing a new product or a new service, that's not going to work. It's not just what you want, it's what ultimately the consumer wants and what is relevant and meaningful at this point in time. And what will be relevant and meaningful for our consumers in the upcoming year. Because this is going to continue for the long haul. And I'm not talking about COVID-19 as the pandemic necessarily. I'm talking about lifestyle changes where you start to evaluate what's important. What is critical in my life? What is critical for me and my family? What are the things that I should be purchasing? So that's very important that we must do our homework as marketers to understand our consumers' needs. What are they expecting? and what's going to be relevant for them. We don't want to create more anxiety in the lives of our consumers. If I am at and or Verizon, I wanna make sure that the internet speed is at its best. I wanna make sure that there's no problem with a connection or connectivity, because if not, it's going to impact everything. Not only my job, but also my mood. Now, new brands have also not had the opportunity to connect with consumers, at an emotional level versus brands that have had a long-standing heritage in the eyes of consumers. And this is important to know as we think about navigating through uncertain times. The older brands that have been around for a long time and have the benefit of a traditional print and TV advertisement that have built for generations, their brand equity, or doing it through digital and social media outlets, they have an advantage. Now, will that stay the same? Maybe, or maybe not. It depends on what you do now as brands and as towards of your brands. Now, as we think about consumers, one thing that is gaining ground is do-it-yourself or DIY. And I'm not talking about the channel DIY channel. I'm talking about consumers. They're using their time at home to learn new skills. They're learning how to bake cook, and those abilities are not expected to disappear when the virus does. Think about this. When was the last time that you baked something? Are you baking now? Are you learning new recipes? Are you checking new recipes online? I'm sure that many of us are, because we're in a new normal. So we, as human beings and as consumers, get bored and want to experiment on new things. Very interesting. Yeast. Yeast purchases are skyrocketing as people turn to baking bread as a way to feed their families and reduce anxiety through the therapeutic act of eating. Many shoppers across the country report depleted baking aisle shelves, through, though the section is not quite as empty as the toilet paper aisle. AC Nielsen found that sales of yeast we're up to nearly 650% for the week that ended on March 21st, compared with the year earlier period. So quite interesting, more people are baking, therefore that's creating an impact. Another thing to keep in mind is popular cooking. Popular cooking and e-commerce side, Foot 52, say its traffic on their side in recent weeks has been up by 36% for the last two weeks of March, compared to the first half of the month, and has been on par within the week leading up to Thanksgiving. and That's the company's biggest week of the entire year. Early on the pandemic, Food52 pivoted to more content and recipes to support its now home-based community. Unsurprisingly, one of the site's leading articles is around the yeast shortage and contains tips on making sourdough starters from scratch. U.S. dollar sales of small home appliances like electric pasta makers and juicers rose to up to 8% for the week ending March 14, compared with the year earlier period according to research from NPD Group. So in a nutshell, a lot of people are going to experiment, buy things online, for example, how to make my own pasta so I don't have to go to the store and buy it and expose myself or my family by going to a store, etc. So in a nutshell, independently of the category, new categories are becoming more important to consumer lives. New categories that weren't never thought of or given significant thought of are now being thought of significantly by our consumers. Like I said, you wouldn't know the brand of hair color that your salon, your hair salon, the one that you would go, or your hairdresser, would use on you. You didn't care. All you care was you wanted to get beautiful hair color and have a great experience at the salon. Now it's a different thing. Now you have to learn new things, how to do my own hair, what is the right color, am I buying the right amount, should I be buying more depending on the length of my hair, or how much hair do I have, or maybe if I have a dark roots that are black, or if I have white roots or grays, all that plays a significant role and a very important role for consumers. Now, the third point that I wanted to talk about in terms of trends is the comfort with digital offerings. As media research companies adjust from live events to virtual ones, so are consumers adjusting to digitizing their behavior. Some demographics, like older consumers, may have been previously uncomfortable with buying groceries or other goods online, but the coronavirus has forced them to get comfortable. Once they fall into the new routine, and get used to the ease of delivery at their door. Such shoppers may be hard pressed to return to brick and mortar, some experts say. Now, nearly 40% of current online grocery shoppers made a first online grocery purchase in the month of March in 2020, according to a study done by Smart Commerce, an e-commerce platform for consumer packaged goods brands. Now, people we know are forced to do new things and that's going to accelerate the digital transformation. Even those that didn't trust to buy meat or poultry or certain things online now may have no other choice but to do that. So they minimize their exposure being outside. In addition, more doctors and other medical providers have been offering camera sessions, which are very well known as telemedicine. Now, telemedicine is not something new. It did not start in 2020. Actually, telemedicine has been out there since 2012, 2014. But now it's becoming much more predominant because people are not going to the doctor's office. And instead of going to the hospital and waiting and and minimize exposure COVID-19, people can simply schedule an appointment with their OBGYN, with a general practitioner, with a specialist, either an oncologist, a nutritionist, through telemedicine, even with psychologists and psychiatrists. So it's important that many of them, many doctors and other medical providers are offering camera sessions online as a way to see their patients, who have non-emergency situations. An expert expects such virtual telemedicine to continue as a trend. Like I said, it's nothing new, but it will continue to significantly rise. In addition, consumers are also turning to digital banking to manage their finances when they can't visit a bank branch. This, We know it's a cultural shift for many people because some people, especially baby boomers and older, like going to the bank, like meeting their teller and talking to them or ask questions. Now, a lot of them have no other choice than to do transactions online. And with many banks that still maintain a robust brick and mortar presence, that could change as they view such relay estate as redundant and obsolete. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I can tell you even as a business owner, as a small business owner, I pay a fortune in rent because we have 10 innovation labs and it hits you when you start thinking, wait a minute, my contract may be up to renew my lease, my office lease in a few months. Will I keep the same lease? Would I change my lease? Look for another offering? Or would I stick to that? Because at the end of the day, as a small business, I still have to pay rent. And it's 8,000 square feet. It's a lot of money. And that makes you think, now, if it's now until May, I wouldn't make such drastic decisions. But if this impacts us until July or August, definitely, because then we're talking about paying six months of rent in a place that I haven't been. And that has an impact in our business. Now, the fourth trend that I wanted to talk about in terms of consumer trends is flexible work arrangements. We know that many expect the current situation of so many Americans working from their homes will lead to a dramatic shift into more flexible work arrangements, as employers realize it's not necessary to have everyone in an office to get things done. Now, I had the opportunity in my former life at Johnson & Johnson, where I used to work for over a decade, that I had opportunities to work remotely and also in the office. Now, I've had my business for eight years. There are certain things that you can do remotely, but there are other things that you have to do face-to-face. And that depends on the services that you provide. If you provide face-to-face consumer research or consumer co-creations that are physical co-creations, you need to do them face-to-face. There's going to be like training. If you do face-to-face training more than online, you can still do online, but face-to-face training is going to be important. Other functions, like accounting, are important to be physically present, but not necessarily every role. And this will depend on how things progress over time, so we have to wait and see in the upcoming weeks and months. Now, we know that some office workers may continue the move toward more remote offices, and employees might benefit because employees are spending less time to travel, may have more time to work, or maybe they're spending less hours working that could represent a financial saving for the company, for the employer. But at the same time, workers will also have more control to manage their roles as parents and caregivers if they're able to work from their home. I know that because even as a business owner, I have my kids in the home, so I have to manage that and maneuver that, and it's a whole new experience. Another thing that I wanted to say is, while consumers have grown more protective of their privacy and personal data in recent years, experts say that that is changing during the current crisis. Many are deferring to the government and those in leadership positions to keep them safe, even if it means giving up some of their own privacy in the process. This may have serious implications from an advertising perspective, Why? Because tech giants such as Google and Facebook have been painted in a negative light previously as companies that will steal personal data and information and use it against consumers. And they're perceived as being the bad boys. But now, if this lingers on, things may shift. So it will all depend on how things continue to evolve and how we as marketers continue to stay in the forefront Continue to stay uh, placing our consumers at the center of everything we do. Next week on our next podcast, we're going to be talking about how retail is transforming and will continue to shift dramatically beyond COVID-19. This is our podcast. We hope that this helped you learn new things in terms of consumer sentiments across the United States, had their optimism versus their uncertainty during these difficult times that we're experiencing based on uh, research data from McKinsey, but also help you understand what are the key trends that are impacting consumers and their lives that we as marketers and as stewards of our brands could continue to learn from and continue to engage and connect with them. Let's continue to bring hope. Let's continue to bring resilience because this too shall pass. Thank you all. May you all be safe, healthy, and protected. And look forward to speaking with you next week. Stay savvy, stay healthy, and all the best to you all. Bye.